today comes from Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all over the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. The word of God for the people of God. As we share together, we come in the spirit of unity, of oneness in Christ Jesus. We share in the one faith, the one birth, the one baptism. Today, as we look at the scripture on this beginning of a new journey that we have, we look at the opportunity God has given us. But we need to touch on a few uh, measures before we get started really into the oneness and the grace and togetherness. We live in a culture, a world right now, that promotes individuality to the point of exclusion. We live in a culture where everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody has their own way. Everybody has their own opinion. And we're in the most divided time that I've ever known in my 55 years of living. Uh, now, I have nothing against individuality. I love individuality. I'm me. No one else is me. Though they have ears that listen and eyes that see, no one is myself. No, like we may be, I am who I am. No other is like me. But with that being said, we are called to unity, to oneness in Christ. And the reason is that Christ is our exemplar. He is our example. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To be more Christ-like is to know our true identity. And the more we're like Jesus, the more we will discover who we are and whose we are. So in the scripture, Paul is stressing to the early church, as you go forward, realize what you do, you do as one. 
Here at our church, we will be embarking on projects in the coming weeks and months and years ahead. The Board of Trustees has already started the process along with our vision and our dream of coming together. And as we come together for uh, just a refocusing of our fellowship area into a learning and community center, we need to have one spirit as we do so. If we do not, it will not be successful. We want to have oneness and purpose. We see this great attribute this way in our music ministry, how oneness forms it. You can see it with the cantata preparation and the members of the cantata all have one focus to the presentation of the cantata and to glorify God. And that's a wonderful nature of one in Christ. The truth is that when I have been sharing with Nathan, we have spoke about our unity and oneness and our purpose. And even though he's much younger than I am in faith, he is, um, he is part of the same body that I am called to. We are one in Christ Jesus. And I learned from him and he, I hope, learned from me. So this oneness is what Paul is saying to the early church. Now here we are almost 2,000 years later and thousands of denominations around the world, even in our own community, there's many other faiths. Have we, have we fulfilled God's call for oneness? And I say that in some ways we have, but in other ways we have not. And I pray that we always keep the one focus on Jesus in our lives. Sisters and brothers, if there ever comes a time that your day grows dark and your heart grows heavy and something is happening that you cannot control and your life is at a point that you do not know where to turn, you do not know where to go, remember the one name that you can call on and that is Jesus. Keep that in mind as you travel your life for that name shall deliver you as it has delivered me. Now, how do we get to this oneness? Do we have a piece of cord or an agreement? Do we shake hands? <laughs> Do we have a contract? Well, they never work out very long, these contracts. We'll claim we have peace, we have harmony, and next day there's war. Any that have raised children have known that. You get the children to work together one day and then the next day they're not working together anymore. It seems that we are built upon this idea that we wanna go right back to being who we are instead of being what God is calling us to be. And I love, as I said before, individuality. We have a lot of characters in every church and this church is no exception. You're wonderful characters, by the way. I haven't met any um, uh, you know, very difficult characters and please don't show me that character if you have it. I don't wanna see it. I only wanna see the best of you. I'm like a teacher that I want an apple put on my desk when you come into class and I want you to sit there and be proper and nice, but I know the real world's gonna bust through any time through the door. It always does, it always will. But even with the difficulties we face, let us know that our oneness can only happen because of God's grace. Because of God's grace, amen. It's all those boxes you were lifting the bread. You know, Brad, if you tote the boxes, you know what's in the boxes. So you're, you know, well, you're already a philosopher like Nathan is. Uh, I advise Nathan in my wisdom to get a digital library next. And he, he said he doesn't really want a digital library. He's, he's gonna be a true PhD professor one day. Make those poor students carry around heavy books. Uh, 
See, grace is digital, you know, it's, it's, it's light, it's easy. God allows us to have more in a tiny space. Grace is a powerful way of, of just God testifying in our lives. He allows us, God in his grace and his wisdom and his mercy to give us what we need. And grace allows us to be one. Grace is why we're supposed to say that before we eat. So we don't fight over our food. That you never thought of grace in that way. Apparently, you never grew up in a house where you had to fight over food. Believe me, I had to fight many a time for chicken leg and butter beans. Had a brother, and sometimes my sisters had friends that came over that wanted my butter beans, and I'd kind of growl at them. I learned to growl at an early age. Picked that up from a dog I had. Seemed to work. It doesn't work anymore, by the way. Now you'll be called strange. So don't growl at anybody, unless you're a football coach and growl all you want to. See, grace allows us to, to, to touch the presence of God and allows us to set aside our differences so we are one spirit. Grace is amazing. It allows people who are enemies to become not just friends, but brothers and sisters in Christ. If you look at the disciples of Jesus, these were very varied people. They were different people. They come, there was a zealot, there was a tax collector. These were pitted enemies, and yet Christ brought them together by his presence, his grace, into one common purpose, and that purpose was to proclaim the gospel as apostles. And what does that grace do once it enters our life and we are called to this one spirit? Well, it then pulls us together. It attracts us together, and we become more joined together. And togetherness is what the faith is all about. In fact, we're the strongest when we stand together. In your relationships with others and the love that you have, you are stronger when you are together. Look what happens when there is a death in the family, a loving family, a caring family. What always happens Someone drives from a great distance to be with the family. Others gather in. They all gather at the home. They come together. They're with each other, and together they're stronger. They go to the funeral home together. They go to the cemetery, the church and cemetery together, and then they go back to their own lives. But that togetherness shows the evidence of God's grace and the oneness and faith. We are called to be together in our faith, not separated this postmodern world is trying to create it where you have your own faith and your own little corner and you don't need anyone else. Well, I'm here to say you not only need someone else, you need Christ. We all need Christ. We need each other. There was points in my life that I didn't think I needed anyone. Then I met Leona and I realized I really needed her and she needs me and then we have children and suddenly we realize they desperately need us and we need them. And then my church, I have needed my church from the very beginning, and Christ calls me to need you even more, especially right now when the church is under the attack it is by this secular humanist world. 
We need each other because when you go out there during the week, you're going to hear stuff that's negative. You're going to hear stuff that uh, has condemnation for faith. People will speak against Christianity and all the virtues and values we teach are under attack by the very culture we live in. And we need each other to get through this. We need church and worship to be able to come together and to celebrate in the name of Christ. And that's what Paul was describing here that this oneness builds up into us the grace that God gives to us, which leads to us being together in the common purpose of what the Lord does. What I loved about the photographs there at the mountains for the young people, you notice they were together. They were together and in their minds and their memories, that will always be the case. That moment will be, it will be linked together that they were at a holy place and they were together in faith. Believe me, as my dad used to say in combat in Korea, foxholes can be very lonely unless you have love. He described moments that he was in a foxhole waiting for whatever to happen and the only thing that kept him together was knowing that he belonged to a family and he had a beautiful young wife and his children would be there the day he would come home. See, he was held together by being together. And we who are broken pieces need to be held together by something and the only thing that can knit us together is the love of Jesus. And that's what it says here. And the chief cornerstone in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In other words, we are called to be holy, holy. So anything that is not holy, get rid of it. Don't let it into your house. Be holy as Christ is holy. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts as we just partake of this open communion that our hearts are together in Christian love. Lord, let us join in the spirit and this faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.